Welcome back. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We're talking about the impact uh, that COVID-19 has had on the American military. Just yesterday, Army Chief of Staff General James McConville uh, said that he sees a direct correlation between COVID-19 and the rise in troop suicides. Now, he was pressed on that. You heard me use the word correlation. And we have, uh, on earlier episodes of this program, talked a lot about studies which observe correlation, uh, corollary relationships, and causal relationships. Uh, And so what he said was that first he uh, observed there to be a correlation, but then went on uh, to push and say that some scientists have said uh, they've not been able to show causation between COVID and suicide. But I would argue, at least my sense, it is having an effect because it disconnects people. Those are the words of Army Chief of Staff General James McConville. He was uh, questioned during a press conference following that hearing and asked uh, by a reporter, which is the biggest threat? Is it suicide or is it the coronavirus? I am very concerned about the behavioral health impacts of COVID, uh, and, and it is. It is affecting our soldiers. And, you know, when, when, you, when you're the chief of staff, you're the secretary, you're concerned about what is affecting your soldiers. And, and suicides is affecting our soldiers. That's why it's one of our top three uh, priorities when it comes to things that we have commanders getting after. And, you know, some of the scientists have said they, they've not been able to show causation uh, between COVID and suicide. But I would argue, at least my sense is, it is having an effect because it disconnects people. And when we look at, uh, you know, the after-action reports of of soldiers that have died of suicide, it tends to be situations where relationships have gone bad, where they start to feel uh, that they don't belong, that they, they're a burden. The general continued and talked about how the Army is trying to combat this during the pandemic. Especially during the beginning part, people were disconnected. You know, the, the connection might only be a text between a leader. And that's why, in, in some ways, we thought it was very, very important to get back to uh, training our soldiers, bringing teams back together so they could take care of each other. I, as you know, I've shared with you a number of times, I have, uh, there are many, many mem- members of my family who are either currently or who have served in the military. A sister of mine uh, right now just transferred from one base to another. And due to one of the cities through which she passed uh, uh, during her transfer, it was required of her that she undergo a two-week quarantine. And she's just coming off that now. But uh, I have uh, I have had been in kind of constant contact with her throughout. And she, I will let you know, uh, you know, she was looking for ways to occupy her mind. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, she, I mentioned the other day when we were talking about our new hobbies, uh, her COVID-19 hobby was the ukulele. Uh, yeah, she picked that up uh, during this quarantine period, uh, which she had to undergo due to her uh, responsibilities as an officer in the United States Army. Uh, and so speaking to her and speaking to some others who have undergone similar quarantines or who have in the military setting had to deal with uh, you know, positive COVID diagnoses, and uh, and other complications, it can be isolating. All right, the uh, the the isolation and the quarantines that you and I have had to endure on occasion, uh, you know, th- those are are challenging for anyone who has to face them. And in a setting where you are with your brothers and sisters in arms, uh, twenty four hours a day, and it is a uh, an interconnected system, and you rely on everyone, and it is very team oriented. When you are like that. 
placed in an isolated setting, it can be uh, it can be very taxing. And uh, unfortunately, some of uh, some of that taxing, uh, those taxing feelings, are having an unfortunate effect uh, on many. So, uh, what's the point of sharing that? Uh, well, if, if nothing else, if you uh, know someone in the military right now and they are facing, uh, you know, a similar circumstance, being quarantined or uh, isolated due to either having contracted the COVID nineteen virus or having come in contact with someone, or for whatever precautionary reason. Uh, shoot them a text, give them a call, let them know that they are still connected. Let them know that they are still connected. And hear them out if they want to talk, you talk about whatever, whatever. Just let them know uh, that you've got some love for them and that uh, that they uh, are not alone as they go through these quarantines. All right, the, the stresses of being a member of the military uh, are, are tough and uh, only compounded by having to deal with this nasty virus. All right, moving on. Moving on, Chuck Yeager. You know who Chuck Yeager is? Yeah. Uh, first off, let me tell you, Chuck Le- Chuck Yeager uh, at 97, I think, years old is uh, still alive and well. All right. He is the first man to fly faster than the speed of sound. And yesterday, I was back and forth with uh, producer Amy as we were preparing today's program, and she pointed out that it was 73 years ago today, 73 years ago today, that Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier. Barrier. They said it couldn't be done, right? We today are facing a pandemic that may seem like an insurmountable challenge. So uh, why don't you and I, for the next few minutes here, learn from Chuck Yeager on how we can solve uh, problems and how we can overcome the the unknown. Let's go back in time a, a little bit, remind ourselves who uh, was Chuck Yeager and what he did. Here's a newsreel from back in the day. The time, October 14th, 1947. The place, Air Force Flight Test Center at Muroc, California. The pilot, Captain Chuck Yeager. For years, aviators thought it was impossible to fly faster than the speed of sound. They theorized that uh, a transonic drag would tear any aircraft apart, but they were wrong, as Jaeger proved. On this day, 1947, Jaeger flew the X-1 over Rogers Dry Lake in Southern California. In an interview with the American Academy of Achievement a few days before, uh, he broke two ribs, he points out. This is Jaeger uh, talking about those broken ribs and still, and still being able to climb into that co- co- cockpit and and make history. We went out after dinner and we were riding horses and chasing each other. Coming back, somebody had closed the gate and it was dark and I didn't see it, so my horse hit the fence and flipped me and I broke a couple of ribs. And uh, that was on a Saturday night. Sunday I moped around and then Monday I had to go into the base and, and I, I went to a local doctor there and he said, we've got two crack, two busted ribs, I'll tape you up. No problem. I'll tape you up. No problem. And I'll get in the cockpit and we'll get the job done. I point out here, too, that that X-1, that X-1 was named uh, Glamorous Glennis after, yeah, after the wife of Chuck Yeager. He had uh, he had some trouble keeping the plane straight due to pitch problems, particularly uh, on, on a flight October 10th where he briefly lost pitch control. Another crew member suggested that uh, Yeager should move his X-1's horizontal tail very slightly to keep his airplane under control, and it was on the next flight, October 14th, with those two broken ribs that Jaeger tried out the idea, and uh, (laughs) he pulled it off. He found the method worked. At 42,000 feet, uh, Jaeger lit the the third chamber of his engine. Uh, The X-1, Glamorous Glennis, again named after Jaeger's wife, accelerated uh, to .98 Mach, and then at 43,000 feet, uh, the needle on his Mach meter uh, jumped off the scale. 
That's the speed of sound. It was about 758 miles per hour at sea level. Uh, And here uh, is Jaeger uh, talking about how he approached his work to achieve something great. The X-1 was fun to fly. Uh, that's the way we looked at it because very interesting. See, you're doing research flying. You're, you're doing things that, and solving problems that no one else has ever been able to solve. So it was interesting to see all these things come along. Now, that's all wonderful history, right? It's uh, inspiring to look back on the accomplishment of Chuck Yeager. And uh, anyone listening who's uh, stationed up at Hill Air Force Base, you, uh, you know that I am, uh, I am far, uh, far from qualified to even describe the exploits of Chuck Yeager. I, I have scratched only the surface, uh, and you, from, from your experience, know uh, much more about what he has done uh, during the course of his life and how he uh, was able to change the trajectory of air combat and uh, really uh, put in place and be uh, a great influence on the air superiority which the United States has enjoyed uh, well since since the dawn of aviation. Uh, this last note I want to share with you from Chuck Yeager is the point of this conversation, and it is that he and the Air Force and all the teams behind him uh, who were attempting to uh, to break this record uh, and to break the sound barrier, they faced something seemingly insurmountable, similar to what you and I are facing right now as we battle this pandemic. Last word will come from Chuck Yeager on how he approached facing a challenge. You really don't think about the outcome of any kind of a flight, whether it's combat or, or any other kinds of flights, uh, because you really have no control over it. And that's the way I looked at the X-1. You don't worry about the outcome, obviously. You concentrate on what you're doing to do the best job you can to stay out of, uh, out of a serious situation. And that's the way the X-1 was. I think there's a lot that can be applied to our approach against the coronavirus. We can't control the virus, right? You or I have no ability uh, to, you know, to stare that virus in the face and say, hey, you better knock it off. We can't control the global spread of this thing. But there are behaviors in which we can engage in ourselves to mitigate the spread within our own circle, right? And I don't want to belabor all these uh, mask and hand washing and social distancing tips, but you know that they are correct. You know that they are the small things that we can control. They, you know uh, that they are the, the things within our ability, as was described there by Chuck Yeager, who, as I mentioned, uh, in 1947, 73 years ago today, did something that seemed impossible, broke the sound barrier. You and I have something seemingly impossible to achieve ourselves in defeating this virus. Let's follow his advice. Let's follow his example and get the job done. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, uh, I want to share with you uh, some some new vocabulary words I learned just yesterday thanks to Utah Senator Mitt Romney. That's coming up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.